industry definition, not mine. I didn't make this up. This, this comes out of where, in fact, everything I'm showing you comes out of their literature. A smart grid delivers electricity from suppliers to consumers using two-way digital technology to control appliances at consumers' homes to save energy, reduce costs, increase reliability, and transparency. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Secondly, it's a nickname, another way to look at it, it's a nickname for an ever-widening palette of utility applications that enhance and automate the monitoring and control of electrical distribution. You're listening to Canary Cry Radio. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Canary Cry Radio once again. Uh, my name is Basil, and as you can tell, I'm uh, a little bit under the weather today, but um, it's not going to stop me tonight. So, uh, if you're coming in from Facebook, or Twitter, or YouTube, or Fringe Radio Network, or Revelations Radio Network, or anywhere else, thanks for uh, stopping by, and make sure to check us out in any one of those um, outlets there. Um, today is a very special show. We have a very special guest calling in all the way from Missouri. Um, please help me welcome Gons to the show. We're back in your ear. <laughs> Hi, Gons. Where are you at? Uh, I'm in the middle of Missouri in a hotel. Actually, not a hotel. I'm in an inn. So the internet connection is going to be shabby. It's going to be... Between the internet connection I have here, which is Wi-Fi, and your uh, coffee throat, this is just going to be an awesome show. So yeah, no, this is going to be bumpy, but I think there, you guys can handle it. Um, so yeah, we're beaming. Uh, I feel like I'm beaming you in from like some foreign country right now. <laughs> Practically, you know, the biggest thing that I found that was really interesting is that uh, I, I, I rented a car out here, and. The people are so much nicer on the road out here, and you know as well as I do, coming from Southern California, you know, people are like wolves out there in Southern California, and people are just so nice here. They drive, you know, at a reasonable speed, and everyone's very gentle and tells you to go ahead, and no one's in a rush, and I don't know, it's kind of nice. Wow, that sounds really pleasant. It is kind of pleasant, but... Uh, <laughs> All right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I wanted to uh, kind of give a little um, overview of an observation I made on the way here, which uh, I actually blogged about. So if you go to, I think we'll put it in the show notes, a link to com. you can see the blog post there. Basically, uh, first off, I got a ticket um, to Branson as kind of like a last minute thing. So I wasn't really going to come out here but uh since the ticket came and doug hamp wanted me there and you know got me into the conference as kind of uh part of his camp um i decided to make my way out here but here was the deal the plane ticket i found out the night before i was supposed to leave that it's a standby ticket so i didn't actually have a seat on the plane uh, so I, you know, I was going to find out that day if someone didn't show up and I found out that the flight was full. So, um, if everyone showed up, then I wouldn't have uh, been able to make it out here and, uh, pray for me guys, because on Monday <laughs> I have the same standby ticket, um, for the ride home. Wow. So if I don't get a flight home, then I'm stuck in Springfield, Missouri for an extra day or two or whatever, however long it takes. And we'll be stuck with this internet um, for the we'll next be, show or something. Yeah, it might even be worse because I may have to stay in like a Motel 6 or something. So. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's getting worse as we talk. But um, yeah, so we'll keep you in prayer there. As you can tell, we have an enormous budget here and we're just so rich Southern Californiaers that uh, standby tickets are just sort of the norm. Yeah, apparently. Well, I mean, it was a blessing to have the, the tickets to begin with. But here, here's what the observations that I had that made this really, uh, really fun. So I'm at LAX, and you know, I, I you know, we check in at the front there, and we got to go through TSA, right? So, so Good as I'm TSA. walking towards TSA, uh, um, I look, I look down at my ticket, 
and <laughs> there's a two dollar fifty cent charge for what's called the September 11th protection fee. Oh yeah. So I thought to myself, boy, two dollars and fifty cents. You know, if anything happens, I better get a refund. I better, you know, <laughs> anyway, probably too soon to make my love uh, joke. You but just you just broke up a lot. I said it's probably too soon to make nine eleven jokes. Yeah, I, th- I think we're still within the uh, fifteen year window for nine eleven jokes. Yeah, I think it's like a twenty six years. <laughs> anyway, okay. So anyway, I thought that was really funny, but you know, just walking up to TSA, you know, you hear the guys yelling like, you know, belt off, laptops in a cart by itself, and it's really militant, you know. Right. So, you know, I'm getting ready to, you know, take off my belt and take everything out of my pockets and doing all this stuff. But uh, I go up to the the guy there that, like, checks your stuff, your your ID and your and your ticket. And he does, like, you know, he's a, he's a good, you know, TSA worker. He's doing his job. But he totally does, like, the triple take, you know, where he kind of, like, <laughs> looks at the ID and then, like, raises his eyebrow, looks up at me, and then looks back down at the ID and looks back up at me. And it's like, dude, it's me. It's like, <laughs> I'm not trying to be someone I'm not. But anyway. You're pretty suspicious looking. I I am so yeah. I don't apparently. blame him. So anyway, we uh, we proceed. I I get through. He lets me through, and you know, I uh, start stripping uh, all the stuff, take stuff out of my bag, whatnot. And I'm watching, and I and I walk up to. I believe these are like, I don't know if it's the full on naked body scanner or what, but it's it's two. You step into this thing. It's got two sides, the front and the back side. And they tell you to like stand in a certain spot that the floor is marked. And what really caught my attention was these TSA workers saying, make your hands into a diamond and lift it up into the air. And <laughs> when you diamond with your hand, it kind of more ends up being a triangle. And so I'm watching all these people. Oh, don't have your shoes on or anything right well, well, repeat what you just said you completely phased out all right uh hotel internet um uh you know so i'm seeing people with you know shoes taken off belts off whatever step in one by one and hold up the illuminati symbol as their body gets scanned right <laughs> <So> <laughs> the most bizarre thing in the world and i couldn't help but laugh you know i was like this is ridiculous and i tried to I actually made it a point not to make the Illuminati symbol. I kind of made this sort of, you know, I didn't connect my my index fingers together to make like a W shape. Uh-oh. If they're, if they're going to say anything, they didn't say anything. But, you know, I wasn't about to, you know. Cause trouble. You rebel. You rebel. I, I did not abide the Illuminati symbol to... uh TSA. <laughs> well, well done, my friend. All right, so today, oh, we have a little update with the GM babies, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, a lot of you guys, as usual, are commenting and uh, talking um, on the comment section there on our website, canarycryradio.com. And um, somebody, and I wish I just had this name right in front of me. I'm sorry, uh, poster guy or girl. Um <laughs> I'm totally blowing it, but this person pointed out the fact that this is old news and that the articles came out, you know, a, a while ago. Right. And they link to uh, newscientist.com and uh, CNN.com through the archives. And sure enough, this article came out in 2001. But as we looked at it, Basil, you and I, it's pretty clear that somebody must have posted it reposted it at some point and made it into a bigger deal this last month. Well, that's the uh, thing. Yeah, that's that's actually the real interesting thing is that um, if you search that article um, as we did before, and it's interesting because <clears throat> everybody's reposting it, so a lot of the dates are being reset to uh, I think it was July 28th or, or something when the uh, when the article came out. So anyhow, the article is 11 years old. Now, that being said, 
those children who were, you know, around one years old when that article was written are just now in 2012 um, coming of age. They are just now going to start uh, going through puberty, which is, I'm sure, an exciting time for the scientists who are keeping an eye on them. Um, it, you know, not to mention an exciting time for the children themselves for all their interesting changes going on. But on top of that, um, why have we not heard more about this? Or now that there's been a resurgence of the original article, why is there not more inform uh, more articles or more information coming out from, um, you know, whoever the original uh, providers of the information was? Yeah, it's very interesting. And I think that most, uh, most people were fooled as we were that this is like, you know, fresh off the press news, like, Oh, GM babies, you know, finally born, verified all this stuff. And it's like, I guess it's not, <laughs> it's old news. And, uh, well it, at the same time, um, nobody seemed to know about it. If this happened 11 years ago, why hasn't, why is this not a bigger deal? Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. And, and, yeah, why why is it recirculating now? Someone must have posted it. Someone with influence, you know, must have posted it to create this kind of uh, you know uproar uh, this last few weeks here about it. And um, so who knows? I I, I don't know. But uh, for uh, for some of you guys, we just actually got a comment on that same page, uh, CanaryRadio dot com. If you go to episode fourteen, GM babies are here. Uh, a brother. Uh, named Ian, who has a PhD in molecular biology, um, gave us a comment, and I'm not going to read it here, but if you're curious, go read it, because he is, uh, he does have a PhD in molecular biology, so he understands how some of this stuff works at a technical level, and he did a great job of kind of describing what exactly went on, and where the actual one is from you know just a normal human actually creating new species of human so um, right, right. Yeah. yeah it's very interesting make sure to go to uh, episode 14 and check that out um, very uh, intelligent um, post there and, and poster uh, which really calls attention to um, you know some of the, the details about the GM baby stuff so there you go we're going to keep uh, looking into it you know we did I literally could not find a single thing, um, you know, given the time that I gave it, uh, about the um, the progress that these kids are making. And so we will keep looking into that and see what we can find out. Because I, for one, am uh, immeasurably interested to uh, to see what's going on. And who knows? Maybe if uh, one of these kids lives um, nearby, maybe we can go talk to him or something. Yeah. That'd find be out, cool. Uh, what their parents think and whatnot. That'd yeah. be cool. Maybe shake his third hand or touch his antenna or his green skin. Or her, I guess. Very good. <laughs> All right. Well, also, what what else have we got going on, Gons? Uh, let's see. We have um, – well, since I'm here in Branson, my goal is to uh, get some sound bites from people – um, I have a booth. Well, actually, I don't have a booth. Doug Hamp has a booth that I'm going to be working. Um, and uh, our booth is right next to L.A. Marzulli's booth. And it actually is a – we're like the last booth before you go into this – like the extra special people's room where Chuck Missler and Rob Skiba and uh, you know some of, the, some of the bigger guys are. So – Hopefully people stop, they talk to us and whatnot, and um, I'm going to try to just get a hold of people, uh, speakers, presenters, authors, video makers, whoever I can find, uh, and just get you know a couple questions in, a couple snippets here and there, and uh, we'll try to post those. Um, actually, I think, Basil, we talked about how perhaps for the next few weeks, depending on how many I get and how good they are, you know, they might suck and we might not want to use it, but... If they're good, um, we'll play one, uh, you know, short snippet interview or whatever 
on Canary Cry Radio and just kind of use that as a as a launching pad to talk about some stuff that that they brought up. Yeah, uh, well, sort of I'm like. Sure. I'm sure there'll be some interesting stuff, and uh, well, it'll be cool to, um, you know, have some of those guys, uh, you know, bring up some subjects that we could talk about on the show for a few minutes. Yeah, it'll be like an indirect interview, you know. So, <laughs> so we got that going on, and um, well, let's let's jump into some of the stuff that we're going to talk about today. I think we have a slew of articles that kind of point to the same sort of thing which is surveillance right um right yeah again we're gonna we're gonna go back to our roots a little bit here and um talk a little bit about the internet and um surveillance and how they are just so closely connected um first of all for all you uh internet pirates out there um tonight we are recording this on the 12th of July and um tonight actually today rather uh the um a new law is taking effect where ISPs will now be uh monitoring um what you download on the internet and whether it's you're coming from a legal source or an illegal source or some sort of file sharing um you know system um and they're actually going to start doing some things about it um, on a, on a smaller level, you know, they've, they've been busting the bigger guys, you know, mega upload, um, just got busted a few months ago. Uh, you know, in the past there's been Kazaa and Napster and things like that. Um, but what they're doing now is they're going to start actually targeting, not even targeting, they're spreading a wide net, um, to start, um, deterring, um, file sharing of, of copyrighted material um, on a very, very large scale. And it starts tonight. And what the deal is here is your internet service provider is going to be tracking everything you download, um, making sure it's kosher. And if it's not, um, there's, you know, there's a pretty subtle um, series of events that um, are going to start happening. Uh, some correspondences that you're going to get at first and, uh, you know, warning you that uh, you're being watched. Um, but if it continues, you know, the, the, the things will definitely get more severe. Yeah. And uh, it's they're going to actually give you a warning, uh, from what I understand, and say, you know, hey, we caught you. Let's, uh, you know, make you you got to sign, like, not sign, but at least uh, agree to not do it anymore and then you get uh you get your internet back so basically they'll shut you down for a second to and, and say you know you have to sign this little petition not petition uh this little form and you know basically agree that you're not going to do it and then they give you back your internet but then they can track how many times that happens so uh let's say you know you're downloading something illegal your internet gets shut down that's strike one and I believe – I don't think the article necessarily addresses how many strikes you get, does it, Basil? Um, I don't know off the top of my head, but um, the, the consequences do actually get more severe all the way up to um, having an, your internet um, irrevocably you know, taken away, um, which is you – know, could be devastating <laughs> for some of us. Um, <laughs> And it's interesting, and it's it's what I find really interesting about this is that it's a, addressing an issue that has been fought over for uh, very very harshly over the past few months with ACTA and PIPA and and um, uh, the 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 third one there. And what I find interesting is that it's actually taking action on this without. As far as I know, trying to sneak in some other, uh, you know, less savory um, details that, um, you know, the stop active people would be going against. And, you know, I didn't hear any, I mean, I heard about this coming a while back, but there really has been no, um, you know, real big public outcry against it. Uh, so it, it definitely came through some um, pretty sneaky channels, I would say. But, 
you know, on the other hand, uh, the, the copyright holders, they do have a right to, um, you know, protect their, their intellectual property. So it's not necessarily just about um, not allowing the pirating of copyrighted material. Um, but it does, it is interesting to see the, uh, the internet locked down in just this, uh, this small way. The internet becomes just a little bit less free. A little bit tighter. And I, I think the biggest thing that's really uh, a, a telltale sign of the direction we're heading is the cooperation of the various ISP groups. And this, you know, this particular article doesn't list uh, which ISP providers are actually part of this. Uh, but I can only imagine, you know, Cox, uh, Time Warner, these are the big guys. Those guys are probably definitely helping out in the process and you know who knows what the little guys are doing uh, i'm sure they're being coerced into following the trend so to speak and um help provide the the prevention of this crime because what's what's going to happen is um you know if you if you're if you're on a cox network or if you're on one of these big providers that are part of this then you're going to definitely be you know, caught essentially. But if you're on like a smaller ISP that maybe doesn't have the capacity to do it, uh, they may be getting away with stuff. And so, you know, the criminals are always going to find a channel or an outlet and figure out a way to get around some of the criminals, the 13 year old kids downloading movies and things like that. Those criminals, those criminals that, um, (laughs) intellectual property. Correct. and okay, I said criminals, but you know what I mean. People that download illegally. And, you know, I think most people don't even realize how many things that they might have on their computer that is quote unquote illegal, you know? So. Right. Well, I mean, under the, under these other, um, uh, propositions, you know, with the ACTA and the PIPA, even having a picture of, uh, you know, Justin Bieber on the desktop of your computer is considered copywritten material if nobody got a, you know, got a penny out of it. And so that's the trick. Now, what they've done here is just make it just, you know, they're just doing what they can um, without, I guess, crossing the border or crossing some sort of line that um, creates some uproar. But yeah, I would suspect that there's going to be some pretty unhappy um, people who are used to getting movies and things like that for free who will, uh, you know, no longer be able to do that uh, scot-free. Yeah. And it's it makes sense, again, Go looking at both sides as someone who has, you know, I used to be on Napster and Kazaa and stuff like that when that stuff was out. But then also being on the other side of, you know, I was a musician for a while trying to sell CDs and, and now, you know, as a filmmaker and stuff like that, there is a level of like, Hey, you know, you don't want people to just steal your stuff. But at the same time, you know, I think that providing it for free in general is just necessary to some extent as far as art is concerned. Uh, because the people that really like stuff, they're going to buy it event they're going to buy it anyway and um do you kind of get what i'm saying basil no absolutely and that's actually been a big point in the whole uh piracy thing on the internet is that the the big um media people and the movie business and the music business who are all causing all sorts of trouble um with the act and the pippa and things like that um they need there's been a lot of talk that they need to grow up they need to start understanding the age that we're in now they need to start making things easier and cheaper um that's the whole thing why would i go spend 20 25 bucks even 30 bucks in some cases on a movie or a blu-ray um when i could get it for free you know they need to start they need to get along with the times and figure out a way that uh you know makes sense um make, well, I mean, for today's marketplace and people like Netflix and Hulu's catching on and people are catching on and it's starting to be a thing and that's sort of where I'm at I mean I don't pirate anything anymore just because it's even more of a hassle than anything else you know pay your 
pay your five bucks, get Netflix, watch your movies there. Um, and that's something that, you know, is catching on a little bit more and more. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, it, 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 it is far from being, um, a perfect system. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, again, you know, I think that once, once people start to realize especially the higher ups that, that this is an opportunity to be creative and, you know, like you said, like Hulu and all these other groups, it's much easier to just pay five bucks a month or eight bucks a month or whatever and have unlimited viewing capacities than it is to like go through and like download torrents and, and, you know, right. <laughs> be right. All sh- anyway. So, so I think, I think most people, even if they are people that download illegally and they know it, ultimately they're probably going to see the benefit of having a system set up that is cheap, but then gives you all the freedoms that you want, you know? Right. Well, convenience is a big thing. And I don't know if I've told you this story on air. I might have done it, but, uh, I might, I think I told you this story, Gons, but, uh, in the town that I grew up in, there was this big, huge video store that you'd rent videos from. And I, I spent half my childhood in that store, picking out movies and, and renting movies all the time, as I'm sure we all did. But randomly one summer when I was, I don't know, it was about half a decade ago or something. Um, they they just up and quit you know business was booming but he just uh he just closed up and we we you know we didn't have any place to rent movies anymore well it turns out a story came out in the paper in the local paper that um <laughs> the guy who owned the video store took all the money that he got from um selling the store and put it all into netflix and now he's you know multimillionaire because of how big Netflix is coming. And I think that's the sort of ingenuity and the, the sort of forward thinking that, uh, you know, people need to have in all sections of their life, but especially the, you know, the big media guys, if they would have been as smart as that guy in my hometown, um, the world would be a very different place and, uh, we probably could all get along a little bit better. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, it's the, uh, those who want to control the system, control the money. And if you look at the entertainment industry, the corporate music business, the, and all that stuff, I mean, you can tell where the influence is coming from anyway. So (laughs) I would just stick to independent ideas and, um, the like, because ultimately if you're, if you're, if you really want to buy, you know, uh, the cult CD or, you know, just whatever you're, you're only glorifying what you're not, what you shouldn't be glorifying anyway. So I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. Hey, it's <laughs> almost 1 a.m. here in Branson. So give me a break. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. I forgot you guys are way later out there anyways. So there you go. That's the story on that. Moving on to yeah. some more internet surveillance things. Um, uh, let's get into what, uh, is, to be called the internet of things. And we talked about this a little bit. Um, I think right at the very beginning, one of the, one of the very first episodes we talked about the smart grid and, um, what the smart grid is, is basically the, um, inclusion of so-called dumb, um, appliances such as, you know, blenders, uh, refrigerators, dishwashers, sort of these things that are, you know, so, sort of seem a little low tech nowadays. Well, what's, um, starting to happen is, uh, they are talking about putting chips in refrigerators and things like that, uh, to connect them to the internet and thus sort of making the, uh, internet include all sorts of strange (laughs) objects and on top of this there's an article that we have here that the CIA is actually talking about um, surveillance using these uh, these appliances and and the more smart appliances like your TVs and your remotes and things like that and actually reading it um, was a very uh, dark moment for me because they they said something about how we are 
intentionally and willfully um, bugging our own homes with the technology that we own. Yeah, and it's a brilliant setup. You know, high definition, perfect screens, all this stuff. Very desirable. The advancement of entertainment systems, and it plays right into the hands of those who want to monitor us because they're able to do just that. They're able to monitor us through the television set, and and again, it's a desired effect. It's very uh, reminiscent of the whole biblical prophetic idea of people wanting to take the mark or wanting to uh, abide into the system. And so it is very alarming because, you know, there's a big part of me that's like, you know, I like TVs that are flat and, you know, I mean, it's, it's better than the shiny the and that we used to have 3d and, and you know. cool looking. <laughs> You know, back in back in college, this is kind of a side note, but back in college, uh, my freshman year, um, right before I went into college, my, uh, you know, you call the roommate or whatever, the guy that's going to be your roommate. And I called him up and I was like, dude, I have a TV, man, so you don't have to bring a TV. And he's like, cool, man. You know, so everything, whatever. So first day comes and, okay, the TV I brought was my dad's old TV, okay? It was probably three inches by three inches. Uh, the screen, but it was probably a foot and a half deep. But it's, got, <laughs> it's got the huge handle on it and the huge antenna, and you know the little dial thing, you know, like that. <laughs> oh my gosh! He 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 looks at me and I'm like, you know, I'm like, here's the TV, dude. He's like, man, that's not a TV. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> Fair enough, um, you know, because like, how are you going to play video games on that? And I'm like, I don't know, we'll figure it out. And uh, we actually. He was a engineering major, so he he figured out a way to like tune the system into like some frequency he was emitting from the video. I don't know. He did something crazy, but we played um, you know video games via fuzzy television screen, which you know wow. till That's until it. he got enough and bought his own TV. That's a really tough like life. <laughs> that that is what things you know how things used to be, and now it's like you must have the super crystal clear. I can see your nose hairs. You know, right. And well, and well, now we have this whole app phenomenon, you know, apps sort of just appeared overnight a few years ago. I don't know if any of you remember the time before the apps, um, but this is sort of a new thing. And what it does is it's bringing all sort of new, um, uh, what do I call it? I mean, it's just new software. These new, um, things are coming into our house. Let, let me just read a part of this article here. Um, everything from remote controls to clock radios can now be controlled via apps and chip company, chip company, uh, arm, ARM recently unveiled low powered, cheaper, cheaper chips, which will be used in everything from fridges and ovens to doorbells. And so we have here, uh, the, uh, you know, the chip, that's going to be going in all the, the, the low technology things, a, a, a doorbell, your doorbell is going to be hooked up to the internet. I mean, talk about, uh, some scary stuff, but like I said, these apps are sort of invading all of our technology, um, TVs, like I said, clock radios, there's radios that you can get apps on remote controls. Um, you know, I don't really have any of that, but um, I have enough things that have these apps uh, that, you know, more than I need. But the trick is that you don't really think about when you're getting apps or doing anything like that, but you're agreeing um, to give them all, all of your information. I mean, any app that you install on your phone, on your clock, anything has a gateway has opened, sort of a portal has opened to the information happening in your life that can now be transferred to some big computer somewhere and collected and stored and sold and um, things like that. So, I mean, look at your phone. If those of you who have iPhones, how many apps do you have on your phone? I have like 60, I think. And that's 60 different people, 60 different entities who are receiving any information that they want. I mean, sure, there's going to be some restrictions and some people are going to be interested more in some things and some um, people are just not going to care. They just want to make some money. But the fact is that 
more and more items in today's um, technical, technological world are able to spy on us. And you, we may think, and we've thought about this, and we've talked about it, and um, it's something we've all sort of almost gotten used to talking about, is that um, it is exactly that. They could be spying on me. I mean, exactly. My friend, he puts a little piece of tape over the camera on his computer, on his on his MacBook, and it's funny when when people see it because people will be like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "It's so the government won't um, watch me." And then the other people will laugh, but I'm sitting there like, "Oh yeah, no, that's a good idea. <laughs> good job, good thinking." Um, but you know what I mean? And I mean, even right now, I'm sitting in front of my computer, and I, you know, I haven't upgraded to the tape in front of the camera. It probably would be a good idea, um, but at this point, the CIA has probably seen me in my bathrobe enough um, that I don't mind letting them see that now. But y- you get the point. So, with this whole internet of things, we're sort of bugging ourselves. We are not, we are doing the work for the government, for the CIA, for whoever wants to spy on us, corporations mainly. Um, We are willfully letting them into our lives and opening up these portals. And the thing with the TVs that I find the most interesting, these TVs that have apps, they seem like the most amazing thing in the world. I mean, they have Netflix, they have Hulu, they have Pandora, they have everything right there on the TV that's connected to the internet. And, I mean, I love that. That sounds... I mean, you're watching Netflix. You you don't even have to get a cable connection or satellite or anything. You're just using the internet and these services that you already have, saving, you know, tons on bills. But at the same time, you have a telescreen right in your living room or wherever, wherever you have a TV. And, you know, 1984, the book, I, I reference it all the time, but I mean, there's a reason for that, obviously. Everybody had these telescreens in their house. And that's exactly what's going to be happening. Those of you with these new TVs, that's just exactly what it is. It's a telescreen that they can uh, view you. A lot of these TVs are having cameras and things like that now for web chatting and things. And don't think for a second that somebody smart enough, somebody with the will, and somebody with the money cannot look through the camera that's pointing back at you from your computer, from your phone, from the TV in your living room. And so that's what we're talking about when we talk about the network of things and how we are um, we are willfully doing the work for those who um, want to use us in their sort of little game, really. Yeah, most definitely. And I think with chipping of the appliances, it's really a physical uh, connecting the kind of cyber world into the physical and um, part of the smart grid and, and just the global grid in general um, <clears throat> of, of combining and manipulating all that information uh, causes various things like, you know, like you brought up earlier before the show, we were talking, Basil, um, selling items. You, you won't be able to sell your doorbell anymore because <laughs> it's chipped and, you know, if if it's not in the you know proper location because once it's chipped it's uh you know it's got a geolocation that's assigned uh if it if it moves then the um you know whoever's in charge there is going to know that it was moved and they're going to question it or whatever i mean it really creates an all-seeing eye through everything every appliance every Everything that you own, everything physical that's electronic in any way uh, is being monitored. And, you know, there's all sorts of theories of how energy might become uh, the next form of currency uh, because everything that we use, um, you know, has the the burning up of energy. And so if the, the powers that be can start controlling the amount that each person uses and it starts to act like currency, uh, they can have tremendous power in controlling every aspect of our lives. And, um, 
it kind of just sounds a lot like Mark of the Beast in, in, in some way. Right, exactly. Uh, not being able to sell or trade or anything without the mark. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say was, um, I don't. again, I don't remember if I brought it up in a previous episode or not, but there has been a bill floating around that wants to um, make it illegal to sell copywritten items between... Um, between people, between you and I, uh, for instance, uh, my phone. My, if my phone uh, becomes old, I get a new one. You know, in the next six weeks, when the new phone comes out or whatever, um, and I don't trade in my new, my old phone, and I want to sell it to you. Well, they want to make it illegal for that to happen because why should I be able to sell, um, you know, an Apple phone without Apple getting their cut? You know, makes sense if, if you're using your uh, business sense there. But at the same time, um, you know, an obvious breach of um, all sorts of uh, rights and things. But this, but now when we're uh, putting chips in things and adding the internet to dumb appliances like refrigerators or things like that, for instance, let's just imagine that. Uh, I sell my refrigerator on Craigslist, and it now has the uh, chip that um, it can be recognized uh, by the internet, and I sell it. Well, if that law passes, which, I mean, it might be hidden in somewhere, but if that law passes, now they can see that my refrigerator is moving. You know, is your refrigerator running? Yes. Well, you're under arrest. Just kidding. Well, <laughs> sorry. Okay, so they see that my refrigerator is going to somebody else's house. Now, all of a sudden, they're saying, you know, why is his refrigerator moving and nothing else? Well, uh, let's call him up, see if he sold it, see if he got any money for it. You know what I mean? And so yeah. it becomes it becomes this whole big grid where it's just all about control. There's more control going on. Well, I think I also I think the biggest point uh, that the CIA is it, well, at least with this article is that the CIA is essentially admitting openly that they're spying on us. You know, I mean, there's they're not even like like enough people know about it now where they're like, yeah, you know, we're spying on you and here's how we're doing it. Yeah, they're not playing <laughs> dumb anymore. Well, that was another thing that they said in the article was, I mean, with you know with the nimble fingers of a uh, computer engineer you can pretty much take control of anything that's connected to the internet um, right. I mean if the CIA wanted to they could take over your phone I mean they do constantly um, if they wanted to they could take over your refrigerator if they wanted to they could take over your TV and things like that and you know you can just see a world where you know government um, messages and announcements can just turn on on your TV and uh, you're sort of forced to watch them or something like that. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I mean, the the rabbit hole of this whole connecting to the internet thing is just so deep and it's so ingrained in the culture and in our society and the way things work that it's almost impossible. I mean, imagine your life without the internet. We couldn't do this show without the internet. Um, I'd be extremely bored, probably, without the internet. I mean, not even that, but everything down to the shipment of groceries, the shipment of, um, you know, anything, really. Everything is on the internet, and that's the world now. We've sort of created this artificial, um, you know, world, cybernetic world that now uh, we need. We're uh, dependent on it. Yeah, and I remember... um because you know the internet was not around well it wasn't around publicly necessarily when i was born but uh i think both of us uh basil you and i as we grew older the internet became much more prevalent actually you're quite a bit younger than i am and the internet might have been around when you were born but nah. i remember i remember just the um the hesitation of people uh, of trusting, you know, putting credit card numbers on the internet and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I just recall the conversation of like, Oh, we got to really be careful. I mean, we're really, you know, you're just typing in your credit card number and there it is on the internet. And, you know, so the fear has always kind of been there, but so many people has, have bought into it 
you know, so quickly that it completely transformed the way everything works in the last 20 years, 15 years. And it's unprecedented. If you think about it, uh, it's, it's just, you know, very strange because I I think for me, you know, I I saw it kind of change, but at the same time, you know, you speak to folks that are a little bit older and they've, they've, you know, gone through a little bit more. I mean, they, they really see it because things didn't change that drastically, you know, culturally it did for, you know, between the 60s, 70s and 80s or whatever, but the 90s and the, and the 2000s and everything, I mean, it is a completely different world of how everything works. Right. And, um, I, I just, I just think that, you know, if the trend continues, it's, it, it's, it's partially our fault as people who bought into it without necessarily looking at the bigger picture or the precaution, you know, uh, being careful about, what this all means and um you know i guess we're going to reap what we sow but uh well we just of- sort of become dependent on it and uh, yeah. i think it's a good example for all sorts of technology where at first you may be hesitant but and then you sort of just become dependent on it imagine the human race after you know 10 20 years of um of you know slight genetic modifications well after 10 or 20 years that's a lot of babies it's a lot of babies of uh, who, who can be genetically modified and who knows what will happen maybe somehow the human race will be dependent on uh, genetic uh, improvements or something of the like and um, I mean that sort of ch- rings a bell when we start talking about the mark of the beast, and as, we, as we've talked about before, um, it being more of a genetic um, sort of mark than anything else. Um, it just uh, and and paired, pairing that with the internet and the uh, sort of global surveillance that we are willfully, um, you know, opening gateways into our homes, into our front pockets, literally. Um, for uh, the powers that be um, to, uh, you know, surveil and observe and report. Yeah. Well, to tie it in uh, uh, to this next little, well, couple, couple little articles that we just want to mention, uh, we probably won't get into it too much, but so, okay, our TVs are watching us, our computers are watching us, and eventually our appliances like our dishwasher, uh, our microwave, our toaster oven is going to be able to watch us. But there are other things, if, as if that's not enough to spy on us. Um, robotic flies might be, or swarms of supersonic robot bugs right. can be the future of drones. Um you know, so you're thinking, hey, check out that dragonfly. Guess what? Government spy machine. <laughs> right. I mean, and this has been in movies for, you know, for decades and decades. And it's, you know, the whole nanotechnology thing has just been crazy. I mean, we've talked about the uh, the uh, mechanical dust that can smart. be smart dust. Exactly. That can be um, sprinkled over and used to surveil things. Well, now, I mean, you have remote control uh, insects that um, can do all sorts of things. I mean, this they talk about everything um, from, you know, sneaking this robotic fly into, uh, you know, a, I don't know what they use, a drug dealer's house or something. Um, but then, I mean, they talk about swarms of these insects just flying around town, um, you know, doing whatever swarms of insect drones do, (laughs) you know, and it's just crazy because I mean, it's happening. It's right now they exist and you know, they, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll only get better. Um, well, it's really, it's getting to that point where it, you know, all the talk that about a one world government and, you know, just the Illuminati or whatever you want to call it, the single entity or group that is going to completely be separate from the rest of humanity and under their jurisdiction is being built. And, and, and again, we're, we're helping build it, right, with all the gadgets that we buy and everything. But it really does create a, a a very distinct 
uh, line in the sand, so to speak, of, hey, there's those who know how to use the technology and can use it for their benefit, and then there's the consumers. And um, it's just really creating that dividing line. It's making it very clear. And the problem is we don't really know who's behind it. You know, there's obviously, um, you know, various levels and whatnot, but but part of our what I find interesting is part of even our desire to work for a big company or work for, you know, whatever, a, a corporation or something like that. It's upholding this system that is, you know, basically we're weaving our own noose, you know, we're, we're threading our own noose and eventually it's going to take us. Uh, but luckily, you know, we got Jesus. So, right. Exactly. I mean, there's, really gonna take, but, you know, it, it's, it is something that is in, important in that, you know, we have to wake people up to these issues because I think people don't want to hear it. And I get that. But, you know, you tell someone that, hey, that bug over there is a government spy drone and, you know, people are just going to feel like you're insane. Right. <laughs> well, and they're and they're still doing a pretty good job of, ah, you know, I don't they're do they're, they're still dropping the hints, though. I mean, we've seen a video of George Bush, both of the George Bushes um, talking about one world government. And, and we got an email a little while ago. Um, I don't know if. I have his permission to say his name, so we'll call him D. Uh, this guy D sent us an email talking about how he was watching CNN, and um, a guy was talking. He just straight up came out and said, and a lot of these, a lot of times it happens, um, that they're moving towards a new world order. That that's what that's the goal right now. That's what's happening, and it's funny because um, y- you hear this. It's not uncommon for this to slip out oftentimes um, on the news and things like that. And I think it's interesting that it's not uncommon because uh, it kind of shows that they're it's slipping out. You know, I think it's so ingrained in their daily lives. Their, their daily life is devoted to, you know, bringing about the one world government um, or the new world order it's it's their life's mission that they just talk about it they just say it um accidentally just without even thinking about it yeah and um well okay i I just want to throw this in there because i was recently at an airport um uh, cbs uh came out with an article a couple days ago called new homeland security laser scanner reads people at molecular level and basically, they've created a scanner, laser scanner, that reads people at the molecular level. I and mean, this has been invented. This is, you know, public knowledge now. And so, you know, if the bugs can't get you and, uh, you know, the bugs can tell you what you're doing, uh, the computers and whatnot can look at your behavior and whatnot. But, hey, you know what? That's not enough. We need to know at the molecular level what's going on. <laughs> so it can me- you, they can measure a person's adrenaline uh, if there's gunpowder on their clothes if you know if, if someone's walking around high well they can uh, you know high on drugs they can use this uh, a scanner to find out that they're high on whatever yeah, drug the body chemistry and they can identify that yeah and, and um, man what else is left <laughs> <laughs> I know right well even that that's exactly the thing what else is left I mean. Besides our DNA, I mean, are they going to be scanning our DNA every time we walk past now? Maybe um, making sure that we have the socially acceptable uh, augmentations or something? I don't know. You know, you just uh, think about these things. I find it interesting that a lot of these articles coming out, um, you know, these are major outlets, CBS, you know, NBC, uh, you know, the UK, all, all, all these big outlets, they always mention Big Brother or, you know, 1984, they'll kind of hint at it, you know, Um, and this this article is no different. You know, the last paragraph of this article that talks about this laser, you know, the uh, molecular skinning laser thing. Okay, let me just read this one here. It says, although the technology could be used by Big Brother, uh, Guinea Photonics, which is the company that 
made this laser, states that the device could be far more beneficial being used for medical purposes to check for cancer in real time, lipids detection, and patient monitoring. So, yeah, see, it's going to be good because we can monitor people with their cancer, of uh, different diseases, and the medical world is going to thrive because we're going to be able to monitor people better. Um, but then they have to always put that caveat in there, you know, although it seems like it's <laughs> yeah. big brother. It's like, you know, uh, the the fact that they have to, like, be apologetic about that is uh, – should be alarming in general. Well, exactly. It's kind of the same thing when um, Obama signed uh, NDAA. Although yeah. this could be abused, I'm not going to do it, I promise. You know what I mean? It's like, thank you. Thank you for admitting that this is totally wrong and that you shouldn't be doing this. I really appreciate your honesty with that. So... Oh, but you're st- okay. So you're still signing it. Thank you. <laughs> that that makes me feel really nice. And uh, but I, you know what I mean. It's like thank you. I I honestly appreciate you recognizing that uh, this molecular scanner could be used to uh, you know do all sorts of invasive things in a public setting without me knowing. Um, yeah. Thank you for recognizing that and you know not leaving it up to myself to come up with that and you know freak out about it on my own um thank you for telling me right off the bat that's really honest and nice of you but please just keep it to the cancer patients i love that i love that part of it yeah oh boy that's just that's too much um i was trying to think of the well a couple of bible verses come to mind first is uh daniel 12 4 that talks about knowledge will increase, you know, and uh, with the internet and everything else. I mean, we've seen knowledge increase cumulatively. You know, I think, I think the, the stats is that it doubles, it's been doubling every five years or something since the internet hit the stage or hit the, hit the world. Um, it, it, you know, it's just, there's no way to deny how the Bible actually shows this stuff. And, you know, a lot of people talk about with concerning Bible prophecy. A lot of people talk about like, you know, Israel, what's going on, and of course, Israel is important. And we actually haven't brought up Israel at all on this show, and that's I think partially for a reason because uh, I think there's a lot of other guys talking about Israel that probably do a much better job than we would. Right. But um, you know, tied into a lot of the the big stuff is a lot of this. Uh, global lockdown you know the global grid and all this stuff and I think right well it's it's, it's crazy because I mean, I know this family, very close family to my to, to myself, and I love them with all my heart and but it's like they're the the kind of people like, oh, do you hear the Nostradamus thing and Nostradamus predicted that this was gonna happen, and look what else he says, and this is gonna be crazy, and I'm like. Yeah, that's crazy. That's nuts. Look what the Bible says. It says all this other stuff that's happening. Isn't that crazy? Isn't look at that how much it lines up. Oh my gosh, and it was written longer ago. It's crazy. Like yeah. Yeah, the the Bible has but Nostradamus. Oh my <laughs> gosh. You know, what I mean? it just blows my mind. Yeah. I, I one of the things that I think the first one of the first prophecies actually that I looked at to, this is even before I was a believer that really uh, captured my attention was the return of Israel and, and you know the Bible right. in several places in Isaiah and stuff saying yeah you know um, Israel is going to be a nation again and you know it's funny because when I and this is kind of a rabbit trail but when I talk to people that don't believe in prophecy in general and whatnot. There's there's two reactions when I bring up the Israel thing. You know, Israel becoming a nation in 1948. Uh, they say two things. Um, one, they say either, well, it's just a self fulfilling prophecy. You know, they they knew that it's part of the Bible prophecy, so they made it happen. So it makes it seem like the Bible's true. That's right. more of the skeptical kind of uh, perspective, right? Uh, <laughs> and then the the other uh, kind of answer you get is is um, well, 
you know, the whole Israel nation thing is a Zionist, you know, Zionist movement thing. And, you know, I find it interesting that most people don't get the fact that like the Bible, the way the Bible predicts stuff and the way, the way it prophesizes stuff, it prophesizes or it, yeah, prophesizes events. Okay. So the event that Israel becomes a nation in a day was predicted. It doesn't mean that, you know, it's right. good, quote unquote, or bad. It's just going to happen. And exactly. whoever caught it, you know, I think it is a Zionist thing, agenda and whatnot. But and the it bottom doesn't line say is specifically it how it happens. Right, exactly. And and it and it played out almost to a T for what was written several thousand years ago. And um, not several thousands, but, you know, a couple thousand years ago. And um, not only that, but um, I forgot my second point. <laughs> it happens when you get so excited about things. I, I get so passionate about something, I totally forget what I was talking about. But, uh, you I'm know, sure I, I think the bottom line was that, uh, you know, oh, I remember now the diaspora. Okay, so how do you, how do, how does a nation get dispersed and the people of that nation retain their culture, right? And, and, you know, to, to, to large effect their, their lineage and then they get brought back into their homeland that doesn't just happen how right. come it's only happened to israel and, and the jews yeah. how come it's never happened to anybody else yeah ever you know there's, there's something to that and i don't know i, I could get really fired up about it as i just did but no, that's an I, excellent I, you know, point i think that as a foundation uh of proof to show that what's written in the Bible, Bible, as far as prophecy is concerned, is true and is real. We can look at all these other things happening and filter it through what we see today with all these different things happening with, um, you know, the technology and whatnot, and begin to understand um, what these prophecies might have been talking about. Because again, knowledge would increase. Daniel twelve four talks about it. We at this point in time have a better grasp of what some of these prophecies were talking about than people 200, 300, 400 years ago. And, um, I don't know. There's, there's part of us that should be excited about that. And it's part of why we started Canary Cry Radio is because I don't think enough people are talking about that angle of, uh, Bible prophecy. Right. Yeah. And it's, um, like I said, the, you know, the whole Nostradamus thing, and then there's the Bible, and it's like, why? I mean, they're so similar, even coming from a secular um, ideology. If I'm a secular person, and I'm so excited about the ancient writings of Nostradamus, and then there's similar, even more accurate, more, um, uh, you know, more uh, proven, more... Uh, evidence for the prophecies of the Bible and just because it's the Bible I'm automatically disinterested <laughs> you know what I mean and so it's just a very interesting situation um, but anyhow um, yeah I think I think uh, we'll all find out you know what's going to happen in due time. And, uh, just, just uh, as a final point here, uh, I know in the past, uh, people have brought up, uh, the rapture debate and like, you know, are you guys pre-trib? Are you guys post-trib and whatever? And, um, I personally, at this point in time, uh, I take on two positions. Um, one is pre-wrath, which I can defend biblically, but two, I'm what, Marzulli calls pan tribulation, which is basically it'll all pan out in the end. So, uh, <laughs> but it's funny because I was talking to um, the guy I was traveling with uh, out here, the guy who got me the tickets. His name is Dave, uh, Doctor Dave, and um, you know he's he's done a lot of work in Bible prophecy and all this stuff. And he, I told him, you know, I kind of you know adhere more to that pre wrath view, and his his comment was. Pre-wrath is the stupidest view you can ever hold. And he says, <laughs> you know, because he's a pre-trib guy. And he's like, you know, and he's a very smart guy, but he's just very dogmatic about the pre-trib thing. And he was like, you know, 
uh, if you ever want to be credible in the you know prophecy world, you you can't you know you can't be pre wrath. There's just no there's no credibility there. Ooh. And you know I didn't really say this to him, but it, I definitely thought it. Which is look, you know, is our goal to parse out the truth as given to us in the Bible, or is it to just appease the masses? You know, and I'm not saying pre-trib is wrong, but to suggest that, you know, I'm going to lose credibility in the prophecy world, quote unquote, you know, if I if I hold this view, it's like, really, I don't give a darn. Right. <laughs> well, think about losing credibility that. is almost, a, you know, the national pastime of uh, a lot of the um, individuals in uh, the prophecy world. It's just sort of a part of the game. You know, even in biblical times, um, you know, so, prophets were always uh, having to deal with all sorts of stuff that, um, um, you know, the, the normal man necessarily didn't have to deal with. And especially when they went against the beliefs of the masses. I mean, it, it had never rained before. And Moses was suddenly, you know, nope. guys... In- not Moses, Noah. <laughs> um, it's going to rain. There's going to be water falling from the sky. Oh, that sounds insane. That's never happened before, and it never will because you're a crazy person. You know what I mean? It's just what happens. Yeah. Well, you know, being shunned by the people, the, the group of shunned is like an extra shun. Shunny shun shun. <laughs> All right. I think we're tapped out. Yeah. All right. Well, Gons, you have a good uh, week there over in Missouri. Um, I'm sure you'll check in again and, uh, you know, you'll tell us all about the cool things that's going on over there. Uh, Really uh, stoked that you could make time to do this. And we want to thank everybody out there listening um, for tuning in once again. Make sure to check out our Twitter and our Facebook and Uh, our YouTube and everything like that and tell your friends and um, you know keep your chin up (laughs) alright guys goodbye you always have a one line (laughs) (laughs) dang it maybe you say something